Hey guys, this is OVW Rush Division Champion Dimes, and you are listening to Wrestle Life Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Wrestle Life Radio. This is episode 145. I'm your host this week, Kyle Pauly. This is my guest host this week, Micah. How's it going, Micah? That's right. This week only. Getting me while you can. <laughs> same old, same old crew. Matt is uh, he's away probably planning Dungeons and Dragons again or something. But uh, I think he's coming back next week again. Yeah, I don't know how he can't manage. I'm literally playing D&D tomorrow and... I'm here. I'm here for you guys. I'm here for you guys. I'm never going to betray you. Yeah. As long as we're talking about AEW. We're talking about WWE. (laughs) I send it back. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, he'll be back next week. But uh, we've got a interesting show this week. As we talked about last week, um, obviously WWE had their shows. We didn't watch them. Nothing major really happened. Like I, I, I heard about Raw and it was basically exactly what happened the week before um i've heard this the tribute to the troop show happened i heard it was pretty good i actually watched the matches on that and they're they're good so but hey the regular fire tv shows they can't seem to do anything with so yeah i know retribution lost again (laughs) and just i'm surprised there's still a thing to be honest with you i am too like it's yeah like um Mia Yim's character lost and they got yelled at by Ali. They're all losers. And the Fiend and Alexa Bliss are now baby faces against Randy Orton. That makes sense. <laughs> yes, it's <just laughs> ridiculous. So, yeah, we are not reviewing WWE again this week. We're just going to talk AEW because they had a pretty big show last week. And then they dropped the bombshell that Kenny Omega, newly crowned AEW champion, is going to Impact with uh, his buddy Don Callis. Uh, so we're going to talk about his appearance on Impact first, and then we'll get into AEW. Um, hey, this is the first uh, time that I've turned on TNA since I was probably eight years old. I remember we went to TNA when we lived, yeah. when we, me and Matthew had just moved to Florida. We went to TNA a couple times, and they had the Octagon, and, yep. and it was great. And then we watched it a little bit on TV and then Hulk Hogan came and we were like, you know what? We're not watching this anymore. <laughs> and this is the first time since. So, yep. And I mean, it's, it's vastly there was, different. There was TNA. no Octagon. I'm disappointed. Nope. Four sided ring. Uh, well, Hulk, Hulk Hogan changed that yeah. when he got there okay. and they never went back. So, um, but uh, I mean, for all intents and purposes, it's been a good show from what I've heard. And I've seen some stuff from it. Uh, clips here and there just uh anytime they kind of make the news of you know a big you know debut or something like that i'll, I'll tune in and watch and see what's going on um and kind of keep tabs on it but uh i mean dixie carter obviously no longer there vince russo thank god no longer there like completely different people uh and great you know wrestling people that work in there and it's just your average like good wrestling show like it's just like up there with roh like solid you know I mean, Luke Gallows, Carl Anderson are there. A lot of Ring of Honor. Yeah, it, it's right up there. Like it's a great women's division. I mean, arguably, I mean, actually, probably not even arguably, but you could try if you want. I think they got the knockouts division is way better than the AEW women's division at this point. Yeah, I think so. As well. um, and probably the best them and WWE probably the two best women's divisions in uh, 
the wrestling world, I think. But um, NXT had it for the longest time, but the way they treated Rhea Ripley with uh, the whole Charlotte thing, I feel like it's kind of knocked the women's division down a few notches since then. Uh, bringing in Charlotte, and they had a bad uh, war games, supposedly. I mean, they they did they were very violent, but the storytelling of that match I heard was uh, not good. Like the baby faces had the advantage the whole time, were using weapons and still lost. So, mm-hmm. just not uh, not the best. So NXT has definitely taken a step back, but um, yeah. for Impact this week, we had, we're not going to talk about the whole show. We're just going to talk about the major uh, appearance by Kenny Omega. Uh, we did also have an appearance by Mr. Tony Khan, who is now an on-camera personality. On Impact. Or not. Not, not on AEW, only on Impact, though. He's an Impact character. <laughs> Him and uh, Tony Schiavone were there. They had a paid-for by All Elite Wrestling ad, a very reminiscent of like the nwo although this was like not in black and white but they did have like the old school yeah it was like like mid-south wrestling kind of jim crockett promotions old school purple background that's pretty cool yeah so they tony Khan's basically they're saying hey like i'm i'm totally cool with kenny omega being on the show i think it's good for wrestling i allowed it i didn't have to but i allowed it uh i even paid for his travel um you know, I'm anxious to see what he says, but basically said he's, although he's happy with what is happening, he is not happy with what he did and how he gained the championship, which is obviously uh, reneging on his a um, his gentleman's agreement that he had with John Moxley and using the microphone, cheating with Don Callis, and then escaping out of uh, the AEW arena. So, uh, yeah, and Tony was there in support, so... It was funny to see him on Impact because um, obviously we knew Kenny Omega was going to be there, but that was kind of a surprise to see Tony Khan there. And then they also got a good uh, good advertisement in talking about what they're going to be doing on AEW and even plugged Kenny Omega being there again. And um, So yeah, they got a nice plug in out of it. I really loved how petty Tony Khan was being. And I loved how petty Tony Schiavone <laughs> was being. He was like, yeah, uh, didn't you work for Impact uh, 18 years ago? He's like, yeah, I worked for him for one day and I quit the business for 18 years. <laughs> so yeah, that's kind of funny. I thought it was a very they, great little segment. It was like three minutes long. If you can go find it online, it's great. Yeah. He there was definitely like a tongue in cheek like type of feel to it. And like he wasn't being an outright jerk. No, he's very uh, like, like passive aggressive. Yeah. He's kinda like, well, it's not us, but you know, I'm excited for impact. <laughs> so like yeah. yeah, it was it was fine. But um and then we had Kenny Omega's appearance with Don Callis. We had um they're on a tour bus type thing, like a, like a traveling, like a camper. It's like and a, like one of those really expensive buses that like, like you'd see like country music stars traveling in or something. Yes. Which makes sense. Cause they were coming from Nashville. So they yeah. probably ran one from there. It's also worth but, uh, mentioning that like before then, I think it's Rich Swan is their champion um, is, is walking through the hallway and he's like stopped by a bouncer and like, Oh, sorry, you're not on the list. And he's like, what? He's like, yeah, this is for the, uh, the champion the champions in the parking lot is like, Oh, I'm, I'm the champion. He's like, no, no, no. Uh, the real champion, uh, Kenny Omega. And he's like, what? And then, uh, what is his name? Josh Matthews comes yes. by mini Miz, uh, comes by <laughs> and uh, he's like, Oh, I'm here to interview the champion. And they're like, okay, they let you through. So it's just kind of funny how like impact was willing to let themselves be the second string kind of team here like they were okay with painting themselves as not as good as aew 
Hey, you know what? It got them like a hundred thousand few free uh, eyeballs on their show. So yeah, I'm man. sure they're like, okay with it. It was like their Twitch was uh, spiked at 55,000 viewers. They averaged normally like 800 viewers. I think the, uh, the TV show was up like 75,000 viewers. They beat NXT in the 18 to 34 men's demographic. Uh, which is huge which is crazy on access tv i don't even know I how to thought, find like, access tv i never thought another wrestling company would like out demo wwe in 2020 for sure but like for it to be AEW, a new wrestling company and impact to do it in one week yeah incredible just incredible yeah. so uh and speaking of mini miz uh he walked onto the giant tour bus and wanted to uh talk to mr omega and um, he took a seat just on, nobody was there when he showed up. He just yeah. sat down <laughs> and Kenny and uh, Don Callis just showed up. And so they took a seat. Um, this was fine. It was, I mean, they were clearly heels, clearly yucking it up and talking about, you know, they're happy for what they did. Um, and they basically explained that this is not something that came about in a day or a week or e even like months it's been going on for years and Don Callis kind of ran down to, you know, his history with Kenny Omega. He'd known him since he was 10. His uncle managed Don Callis when he was a wrestler. He met young Kenny Omega um, and basically took him under his wing. He was the reason that Kenny Omega went up against Jericho in new Japan, which Tony Khan said birthed AEW. So they took credit for the start of AEW altogether. Uh, and just ran down their entire history. And then he basically left it to Omega and Omega at least had an excuse for why he went back on the gentleman's agreement that he made with Moxley. Cause obviously um, Josh Matthews asked him why he did it. And like, was he happy that he had to do that to win the title? And basically he said he didn't beat him by hitting him with the microphone. He beat him with the one wing and angel. Cause nobody kicks out of that. So he said, he did say, Hey, I didn't beat him after I hit him with a microphone. I beat him after I hit him with my move. And then he said, the only reason I did it and the only reason I went back on the agreement was because he attacked my father figure, who was Don Callis, um, which John Moxley did punch him. Uh, so makes sense a little bit. But the only issue I had with this segment, which um, we'll get into a little bit on AEW as well, was they plugged it as he was going to show up on Impact and like, they did say he was like going to talk about why he did everything. And they did do that, but they almost kind of teased like it was going to be a, a bigger, like almost like an announcement, like he's going to reveal like something. And I guess he kind of did, but there was no straightforward. Basically Kenny Omega said he liked collecting things when he was a kid. And so he grew out of that, but he's since found the love of like, he wants to collect championships. So he, has won the IWGP championship, uh, which he doesn't have anymore, but he has the AAA title, which he currently holds, and now the AEW title, which he sees as the greatest um, championship. But he kind of mildly hinted, hinted at possibly challenging for the Impact title, possibly maybe going back to Japan and challenging for that title. So it was almost like, similar to when Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy said, we're going to take over the tag team division. We're going to go after every tag title. But like, it was almost like half-heartedly. I wish he would have like just made an announcement. I'm coming after every title. 
I want Impact's title. I want um, New Japan's title, Ring of Honor. Like, just go all out. Say, I want every title. Even if it's not true, like, you're not going to Ring of Honor. Even if you don't have something, like, just say, I want every title. And just put that out there and get get it buzzing. I felt like it was just kind of, he was like, ah, maybe I will. And it's just like, no, like, go full force. Like, say you're going after every title. Um, but that was my only big issue with it. I th- it was a good segment. It was a good heel segment for him and Callis got their yeah. characters over. So yeah. I mean, what do you think about it? It was definitely like a little disappointing, uh, especially like, I, obviously they're going to put it as the last segment because it's what everybody's watching for. So you're going to put it at the end. So everybody stays the whole show. That makes sense. Uh, and they had like 15 minutes, but they didn't really say a whole lot. Um, they did a good job of tying up some stuff uh, from Kenny's previous promos. Uh, he was in that house uh, for a sit down interview at one point, And he had the Sheik's picture there in the corner. And everybody was like, oh, what's the Iron Sheik doing there? Well, it's the Golden Sheik, which is Kenny's uncle, with Don Callis in that picture. Uh, right. And Kenny mentioned in that interview, hey, this is not even my house. So obviously that's now basically confirmed as that was Don Callis's house. So that's, that's some long-term booking there. And uh, he also had the segment a few weeks ago when he was talking about his dad would be able to beat the crap out of Don Moxley's dad. Well, he refers to Don Callis several times in this interview as his father figure. So, I mean, Don Callis is a professional wrestler. Good chance that he could beat up Moxley's dad. I've never seen his dad, but, you know, good chance. Uh, So it tied up some ends there. It does, like, splatter some stuff going forward uh, where, you know, people were thinking, was this eventually going to lead to him uh, challenging for the IWGP title again in New Japan, uh, which would be great. Uh, If I could fantasy book this whole thing, I would have, uh, is it Abushi, his ex-tag team teammate? Uh, yes. I would have him win the IWGP title. I would have Kenny then go on to face for all these titles. I would be, honestly, like, it would be such a burial of these other companies. But if Kenny were to go on, like, Impact and win the title and be like, you know what? I don't even want this thing. I've got the AEW title. I don't even, this doesn't even matter to me. And just leaves the title there. That way Kenny's not their champion. You know, something like that. It would really bury the company. It would be terrible for them. But in my fantasy world, it would work out great. And, and eventually, you know, Kenny is just going on and on how he's beaten everyone in every promotion. And then you hear, I think it's the coin drop that everybody talks about from Kota Ibushi. And he comes in and he challenges him at whatever, Wrestle Kingdom, whatever the next big thing is for New Japan. And uh, he faces Kenny and he beats Kenny. And then Kenny has, obviously he still has the AEW championship and he starts being on this downward spiral and then in comes Hangman Adam Page. I think that whole scenario would be great. Uh, I don't think it'll happen that way, but uh, a man can dream. As long as yeah. Hangman is up with a title, it's okay with me. Yeah. Go ahead. I just hated how they, like I said, halfway alluded to that because yeah. obviously... I think a lot can, of it is they don't have... I don't think they have everything in place with like New Japan and everybody to say, hey, we can do this. You know, I'm sure they don't, but they still could have at least said, I'm coming after Eric. Like, because Matt Hardy, Jeff Hardy at the time when they were in Impact, they didn't like, they, I don't think they had free reign to just go wherever. They eventually got, you know, the, the ability to because they, you know, got out of their Impact contracts, but like had appearances or something like that. So they, but they didn't say we're like, taken on the, they didn't like call out anybody they just said we want every tag team title in the world that it's like 
I forget what the conquest was called, but Matt called it something. It's like the conquest for gold or something like that. And, um, but something like that, just make a broad, I'm want to defeat every champion. I want to collect all the champions. Like, cause obviously they're never going to, he's not going to compete with anybody at WWE, but you know, just say, I want to go for every championship and just get people talking yeah. and just make the statement. Whereas, like I said, they just kind of half-heartedly said it. So I do hope they do something like that. Like he starts to go for the titles and stuff and Impact gets involved. I don't think they would be on board with him just beating their champion, like you said. But yeah, um, it'll at least make it interesting to see what they do with it. Um, so yeah, I'm excited about it. And they also at the end of this teased that uh, he's going to make another announcement, a huge announcement on uh, Dynamite. So they yeah, also like, plug there. Just wait till you see me on Dynamite. And like Tony Khan's uh, ad and everything he had, I really thought he had something ready for him on Dynamite. Um, but as we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Also worth yes. mentioning, the old hair is back. The salt and pepper, black and white, uh, cleaner hair is back. He's got the aviators on. He is full on cleaner mode. So, which I, I like that because it just. Just makes yeah. him look completely different. Like he just looks so unique. He looks a lot style. more intimidating. Yeah. In so I, I'm definitely down with it. So yeah. Uh, but yeah, that takes us to impact this week. Um, do you want to take us off of that, Micah? Yeah, I think we'll just go straight into AEW. We'll have more time to talk about that promo a little bit later. Cause spoiler alert, the same promo happens on AEW. Basically. Uh, <laughs> but we do open up AEW with uh, the Young Bucks versus the Hybrid 2. Uh, the Young Bucks make their entrance as normal. Uh, and the hybrid two starting to make their entrance and attack the young bucks from behind. Uh, then the, bell, the bell rings, they're being giant heels as they do. Um, did you catch any of this match? Because I'll be honest with you. I didn't really like it. Uh, so I full disclosure for our audience. I did not watch the show live this week. Um, but I, I caught all the highlights of the, the, um, the matches and, um, so what I saw at the end, I, I liked. I mean, I like Angelico and um, Jack Evans is pretty good. So um, they're very talented, I, but like I don't. It's like they they've got all the ability in the world, but their matches just don't turn out for me. I, maybe it's just not my style, but I'm okay yeah. with spot fest as long as they're done well. But like it was just like they went from spot to spot to spot. Nothing had any time to breathe. Nobody had any time to sell. Uh, Jack Evans did like two or three, four fifty springboards, which I don't even like the way they look. They're very impressive athletically, but they don't look like they're doing anything. He's not even hitting the person he's hitting. He's like knees are going to the ground. I don't know. It just, this whole yeah. match was spot to spot to spot. Uh, Matt's leg did get kayfabe injured in the middle of the match, uh, hearkening back to his injury from FTR, which is great. They're long-term booking that injury. Um, but yeah. The, the overall, there wasn't a real story to the match for me. No. Uh, the Young Bucks did end up coming up with the win after a BTE trigger. Uh, they're both like super talented, but I don't know. I just, I think the pace was kind of bad. Uh, yeah. The referee really didn't have any control. Um, <laughs> did <it> ever. Kind of <laughs> crazy. Yeah. It, there were times when I didn't even know who the legal tag team member yeah, was. At the very end, they- uh, I believe it was Nick was on the apron and he like, I didn't see him back the tag, but he got in and just started like kicking on Helico or something or like, uh, no, he got in and they set up for this double super kick and the referee just like watched him do it. And then he went like directly to the other side and got on the apron and then made the tag. And I was like, why don't you just go and make the tag, then do the double super kick and then set up for the uh, 
VTE trigger, which is basically what they did. Just did a little out of order, but um, I mean, it looked fine. It was probably a decent opening match. Um, and what I saw of it looked pretty good. But uh, like Micah said, they did win with the VTE trigger. And then after the match, they had, uh, what's their name? The Acclaimed? Acclaimed. The, uh, the one that Matt loves so much. Yeah, also worth mentioning, what Matthew said is one of the worst segments of all AEW history. It's one of the most viewed segments in AEW history. It had 1.1 million views. So yeah. Viewers so the, live. So, so yeah, the uh, the rapper gimmick seemed to work. <laughs> so. I don't think it's so much that it seemed to work. I just think that it's funny that so many people saw the segment that Matthew hates. Yes. And guess what? They tuned back in for this week. So uh, AEW yeah. was near a million views uh, average this week. So... Yeah, so uh, after the match, claims they're shown at ringside. Um, I don't know if they showed him throughout the match, but they hopped the guardrail and teased going in to attack the Bucks when SCU ran out. Kaz Kazarian threw his water bottle at one of them. Yeah, <laughs> decked think, one of them I with think, it. Uh, Brian, uh, Brian, uh, Christopher Daniels had a chair. Yeah, so they uh, they came in and made the save, so uh, the Young Bucks didn't get attacked again. So, um, so yeah, they'll probably set up an SU versus acclaimed to kind of build them up. It's already on um, the card for next week. Well, there you go. Yeah, I saw that and I was like, well, I guess we're that. not <laughs> announcing anything. So I told Riley I was watching this. I was like, well, I guess we're gonna have SEU versus the acclaimed next week. And at the end of the show, they're like, next week, acclaimed versus SEU. I was like, okay, there, there you go. Uh after that, we have the Darby Allen. Uh Darby Allen had a little vignette where he's doing a Rorschach test. And like there's these ink blots that look like big meaty man and he's identifying you know will hobbs and he's saying uh uh two-faced liar or whatever and he's got uh brian cage and uh i forget what he says but he like starts setting up the tnt uh, title match between darby allen and brian cage so that's pretty pretty cool they show him a uh a Rorschach that's obviously sting's makeup and he kind of just laughs and we close. Yep. <laughs> and, and, uh, so, uh, yeah. So then we had the big um, segment of the night. Well, one of the big segments. Sting came out. Uh, well, actually, Cody came out first. Of course, he. Has oh, to of be course, the, uh, of course. <laughs> he has to be the first person out there. So he makes his entrance. Him and Arn. Uh, Tony was already out there, and uh, before he really even says anything, Sting comes out. Uh, so Sting came out, got in the ring, um, talked about, you know, his memories with Tony Schiavone and like, you know, how, how they've you know spent so many years together. And then he uh, talked about how he'd heard all, all week after his debut of people reminiscing on Tony saying it's Sting. So he had Tony do it for the crowd. So that was a, a cool moment. So he gave Tony a hug. That was nice. And then he got to, uh, Talking with Cody. So Cody welcomes him and um, he says he's been waiting to share the ring with him for a long time. But Sting says, Cody, I'm not here for you. And uh, he said something about this place just felt familiar. And so he points out in the crowd and out in the audience, like he normally is, is Darby Allen. So they're definitely teasing something between Sting and Darby Allen, which, hey, I'm all for it. I think it's an awesome pairing. So uh, yeah. Darby's sitting out there with his belt and he kind of, he's leaned back, just relaxing. As soon as Sting points to him, he sits up in his chair and just like, oh, okay. I'm yes. definitely liking where this is going. 
so I, I definitely like where this is going, but wasn't this kind of the segment kind of jarring? Like, I understand that throughout Sting's career, he's been a lot of different characters, right? And, yes. and last week he came out and he was the brooding like 1997 Sting when he didn't say anything. He just came right. out, looked awesome. And then this week he comes out and he's like, I don't know, like 1999 Sting where he's just like a jovial guy. Like he's just a dude, which is great. I'm glad to see him be happy, but it's kind of like, it kind of like gave me whiplash a little bit between last week having Sting come out and being all brooding, the big entrance, and the tonight he comes out and he like hugging Tony Schiavone, which I thought is a great segment. Don't get me wrong, but it is a little bit jarring. Like, yeah, I, I can see that. Like, I understand I it's not similar, like, but like if the Undertaker came out as the dead man one week and then came out as Mark Calloway the next week, it would be a little weird. Well, I was just about to say, I, I think he's similar to The Undertaker, and that's kind of why he can get away with it, because funny enough, Undertaker has done this because he's The Undertaker and like does his magic and stuff, but he was basically Mark Calloway when he fought AJ Styles in the Boneyard match. I mean, he yeah. rode in on his bike and, you know, was tough guy, like, you know, American badass Undertaker, so... I think it's kind of similar in that way. Like every kind of everybody knows Sting is like he's that kind of character, but he's also, you know, he, he's pretty decent on the mic too, and he's you know a charismatic person. So I think if you're a Sting fan, it probably wasn't as jarring. Um, yeah. Similar to how Undertaker can kind of go back and forth, and nobody really bats an eye. But I can get it. Like I, I'm not saying you're wrong at all. I think it's a, definitely an argument. You could make. Yeah. Also, I have no idea what Cody was doing in this entire segment. Like, I don't know what kind of vibes he was trying to give off, but cause like, and when one sentence, he was like a face, like so happy to see his hero. And the next he's being like condescending. It's like, he was mad that he wasn't the center of attention. I, I guess Cody is a heel. I don't know. Uh, that's what I've always said, but it's like, this guy got a big entrance. I am the only one that gets a big entrance here. Um, I don't know what Cody was doing. Like I could definitely tell, like obviously this is Cody's favorite wrestler. And like when he like put his arm around at the end, he's like trying to be serious, but he's like fighting off a smile for sure. Which I thought was kind of great to see, honestly. But uh, yeah. yeah, I'm excited to see what they do with him. I also think it's a good idea for them to bring Sting in and not immediately say what he's doing. It's, it would be terrible if they brought in Sting and he was like, yeah, I'm going to wrestle three matches and I'm going to man- uh, be a manager for Darby Allen." Like, no, they need to drag it out because people are tuning in to see what Sting's going to do. So if he you, teased it. So. If you tease it and draw it out a little bit more, people will keep viewing. People will keep coming in. So I think that's pretty smart. But yeah. Yeah. I, so I thought that was a Sting, pretty good segment, but again, a little bit jarring. Yeah. So Sting basically finishes it by saying he's staying with AEW for a long time and just told Cody he'd see him around, pats him on the back, and walks out. Yeah. yeah he did he say, Cody, know, if you mentioned it, he did say the thing. The uh, the only thing about Sting is that nothing's ever for sure. So or oh, the, the only, only thing that's sure about Sting yeah. is nothing's for sure. Yep. So yeah. so yeah, good segment. It was it was good for you know a debut. Uh, like I said, I like the Darby Allen tease, so I'm all for it for sure. Yeah, I thought for sure it was going to be like a sit down backstage interview with Tony Schiavone, but I kind of liked this more. I think it may have it may have just been because it wasn't in front of a real crowd. That may have been yeah. the issue for me. Um, but yeah, I, I'm looking forward to next week when he is in front of a real crowd because he's going to get another giant pop. I'm looking forward for to sure. it. Instead of a giant fake pop, which I hate so much. 
I hate the piping crowd noise. I would rather just listen to the 20 people that are ringside than this way piped up crowd noise to make it sound like 40,000 people are there. But that's just me. Yep. Uh, then we can move on to FTR versus Brian Pillman Jr. and Griff Garrison, now known as the Varsity Blondes. Uh, this, for sure, I thought was going to be just a basic jobber match, but it, it really wasn't. Um, apparently, the Varsity I really like this match. Yeah, it was a good match. Uh, honestly, I like this match more than the F, uh, the TH2 versus Young Bucks match. Um, I would definitely agree with that. I, the, yeah, FTR was great, and I'll tell you what, man. And I'm not always huge on FTR, so... I really was impressed with, I mean, I've seen him here and there. Obviously he's on, been on BTE, but um, so Brian Pillman Jr. was good, but he took the heat most of the time. But Griff Garrison, when he got that hot tag. Yeah, man, that was a great hot he, tag. He, I mean, it wasn't as fat. He needs to have, he needs to, he needs to take it to another level. I think like yeah. um, he, he kind of, you know, I mean, he was intense, but I think he could like, like when Daniel Bryan gets the hot tag, I mean, he's running full force, like kicking the crap out of people. Like it's not that quite that level, but I'll tell you what, man, for like a young guy with a, a hot tag, like it was really good convincing. He reminded me a lot of a young edge. I mean, he's tall, yeah. lanky, got the hair, even did a double spear, but yeah. had like the, after he got the spear, he was like shaking his head, like Brian and edge and just like sneering and like all into it. I was really impressed with him. So I always right. see more from Griff Garrison. I really liked the varsity blondes. Um, They even mentioned back to Brian Pillman and Stone Cold, not Stone Cold at that time, but stunning Steve Austin being Hollywood blondes back in the day. So that's pretty cool to see this, uh, this mantle being passed forth for Brian Pillman Jr. But yeah, I thought Griff Garrison was great. I thought Brian Pillman was great. They've got quite a few wins on uh, Dark. I think they're like five and six or something. So they've got some wins. They're not totally jobbing out. Yeah, this was a very solid, like what, 10 minute match maybe. Yeah. Um, very traditional style match, but obviously FTR came up with the win. Uh, but if Griff Garrison, like that hot tag, made me think, man, maybe they're going to pull an upset here. Who knows? But yeah, yeah. I, I think. And much like his hair is like Jungle Boy's. He, he looked very good, but in the end did not get the win. So yeah, still basically Jungle Boy. Uh, yeah. So he's but, like Jungle Boy if you stretched him out a little bit. Yes. Yeah. But uh, I think a lot of the, the what you're talking about, the hot tag being a little slow, is probably his inexperience and being afraid of doing oh, the wrong sure. thing. So yeah. when he gets a little bit more experience, I think you'll see that speed up where he's a little bit more sure of himself. I think this is their first time actually having a match on Dynamite. Like, he jobbed to MJF, but uh, yeah. I think it's their first time having a real match together, at least, on Dynamite. So, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm looking great. forward to more from them. Uh, after the match, FTR bump into the Jurassic Express outside. They have a little bit of a brawl. And uh, I would assume that is setting up Jurassic Express versus FTR, which I they sure shoved Marco great. Stunt, which I loved. Well, I love when Marco Stunt gets <laughs> so mad and Luchasaurus has to hold him back. It's great. It's like an angry Chihuahua, like nipping at your Basically. ankles. It's yep. great. They just shoved him, and he went two rows back. <clears throat> yeah, love love Marco Stunt for stuff like that. Uh, we then go backstage with Alex Marvez and my favorite cowboy, Adam Page. And uh, Alex Marvez that says that uh, next week on Dynamite, Adam Page is slated for a 3v3 match against the Hardy Party, Matt Hardy and Private Party. Uh, and Adam Page is like, yeah, yeah, I am. And he's asking, well, who are you going to team up with? And out from behind the bar pops up two of my favorite people <laughs> with little cowboy hats on, 
Alex Reynolds and John Silver of the Dark Order, they say, well, howdy, partner. I heard you were looking for a partner. And Adam's kind of like like laughing, like, oh, hey, guys. Yeah, no, I've, I've got it. It's, it's fine. And they like, they like start building him up a little bit, like, oh, man, you did so great last week, blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. And then they're like, well, who, who are you going to have? Have with you. he's like no I've got it. he's like well, what about us what do we I think we'd be great and Adam Page is like no 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 it's I'm, I'm not joining a cult guys I understand we have some fun you know we drinks drink together whatever on BT but I'm I'm not I'm not joining your cult and then Alex Reynolds like perfectly says like well if not us then who else do you have and Adam Page like looks down for a second he's like you know what just for one time we can tag team. So next week, Adam Page, John Silver, and Alex Reynolds, 3v3 versus the Hardy Party. I am super stoked for this. Three of my favorite wrestlers. Uh, just going to be great. And not only that, the just the perfection of the way they are portraying a cult. Like, they literally are, like, buttering him up, then offering to, for him to Which join. Which I'm sure John Silver would love to do, by the way. Oh, yes. He would love to butter him up and probably call him a biscuit or something. <laughs> and uh, he – and then Adam Page denies him, and they're like, oh, well, who else do you have? Kind of basically making them seem like the only way out. It's great. I love the Dark Order. The Dark Order was my favorite thing in this episode. This and the next match we're talking about, I that was great. Well, in my opinion, I like this. <clears throat> Not so much the next segment. Um, but we'll get into it. Um, well, actually, I'll go ahead and get into it. Basically, so after this segment, we had Dustin Rhodes uh, going up against 10 of the Dark Order, which, um, I mean, obviously, I've seen him on BTE, but like I haven't really seen him work a whole lot. Yeah. Um, he was man, injured for a long time. He broke his arm, I believe. Right. So, yeah, this dude is jacked. So I was like, all right, well, solid matchup for, you know, Dustin Rhodes here. And, I mean, it, what, it was kind of just nothing happening. Like, it was fine. wasn't bad. But uh, there was one point where Tin was sent to the outside. Um, and he was, like, uh, walking around the ring. Or he, he was following uh, Dustin around. And Aaron Solo just, like, randomly stood up and, like, tried to reach for him or something. He just, like, booted him, which was awesome. And I was like, oh, this dude's legit. Like, so he should pick up the win here. But he gets in the ring. Dustin fires up, hits him with some clotheslines. He hits like a running, it was like a sling blade, but like a bulldog version of it. And just got a pin out of nowhere. And Tim kind of kicked out of the end of it. So I was like, was that supposed to happen or what? But Dustin got up, celebrated, and Dark Order comes out. So after Dark Order comes out, Evil Uno gets in the ring. He's got the microphone and basically asks Dustin to join the Dark Order. And I was just like, you know, this would have been a lot more effective if Tin had like beaten him or something. And like, I don't see the benefit of Tin losing here, especially the way he lost. And then Dark will come out and be like, hey man, join us. Yeah, I Whereas, don't love like, the booking of this match. That's not what I was talking about. The booking of this match right. I think is poor. I think Preston Vance is, should be the heater of the Dark Order. And right. he's kind of turning the jobber of the Dark Order. I mean, he's got some wins on Dark. Uh, with five, they've got their five and dime tag team going. 
but uh, I mean, really, it's just not not turned out that way. And I don't think him jobbing to a fifty-something-year-old Dustin Rhodes is the greatest idea here. Uh, maybe the match shouldn't have even happened. Maybe it should have been Ten versus Lee Johnson or something who was out there with Dustin Rhodes. Um, <clears throat> but well, even if it was like anybody, like from the Dark Order. I don't understand why they would have Dustin win, which is fine, and then have the Dark Order try to recruit him. Like, yeah. I'm fine with them going after Hangman Especially because he's vulnerable. After all the stuff they've done to the Nightmare Family, to Dustin, I mean, it's just not a not a great look. And Evil Uno comes out and he even apologizes for that. But I just and then thought he gets slapped for it. <laughs> I thought that Evil Uno was great in this whole segment. Yeah, he's like, good. His, his performance work, is good. His per- performances are severely underrated. And you're also overlooking the fact that he offered Dustin a special number. Seven. Number seven. And yes, Tony Schiavone, which... Tony Schiavone belts out, I don't think he wants that number, Uno. <laughs> yeah, if, if you don't know, that was a uh, uh, – he was – after his Goldust days in WWE, the first run, um, he went to WCW and was basically uh, – he, he was Black Rain in TNA. It was very similar to that. He was like a – Uncle Fester looking character and it was kind of like a tongue in cheek Vince Russo it was behind the curtain. Basically. Yeah, basically. It looked horrible. And then he cut like a a promo, like a Kfa or breaking Kfa promo. It was a work shoot kind of thing. Yeah, just the Vince Russo WWE, I mean WCW type crap that they had on Monday Night Raw at that time, like nobody got into. Um so that was his character named Seven was uh yeah, on, you know, on that show. So it was kind of an inside joke. Of that, so if you if you know it, it was funny. But if you didn't, you just thought it was a number in the dark order. But uh, I mean, like I said, I'm not against them trying to recruit Dustin, even though, like you said, it is weird that like they feuded with the Nightmare Family. So why would he even bother? But I don't see him why he would win his match and then they would try to join. Like so, yeah, I'm cool with them trying to get Hangman because he's vulnerable. But with Dustin, especially like the segment right after, I didn't really get it. So. Uno was great, and he he held up the Dark Order symbol, symbol, tried to get Dustin to do it with him, but Dustin instead slapped him. Evil Uno, they tried, they're teasing like the Dark Order was going to jump him for it, but Evil Uno said, "No, no, no, we're going to walk away from this." And basically, get, he told him like, um, I forget what he said. Like he, he said something like he would be begging for a spot at some point or something. He said that the, the time is right. You'll know what to do, and it's just like, what are you talking about? Maybe they'll pay yeah. it off or something, but it just seems weird to make this with Dustin, right? So it's a little puzzling. Um, like I said, I'm all for the stuff with Hangman, but we'll see what they do. But it was yeah. just kind of weird for me. Yeah. Uh, after that, we have a sit-down interview with Tony Giovanni, <clears throat> Brandy Rhodes, and Shaq. Now, I was kind of vocal about not wanting celebrities on AEW because I don't want to see Shaq wrestle, right? He's not a wrestler. He's like, what, 50 years old now. He Um, has never wrestled before. And he's like seven feet tall. These are not good combinations for a good wrestling match. So He did the uh, Battle Royal with WWE, but that's about the extent of his wrestling career. And When they teased him versus Big Show. Yeah. And when they s- said that Shaq was going to be on the show, I was kind of like groaning like, oh, no. But I actually thought this segment was pretty good. Uh, I think if you're going to bring in celebrities, this is a great way to do it. I think they handled Mike Tyson pretty well. 
the fights and the pull-aparts were kind of overdone. But uh, it almost seems like they're going to bring in Shaq as a manager of Jade or like a maybe just kind of a, a stablemate of Jade, Jade or a, for a, an for advocate. A, yeah, an advocate. Uh, so he he sits down with Tony Schiavone and Brandy and he says, first of all, Brandy, I want to apologize for what Jade did to your arm. He said, I, I love Jade. I'm a big fan of hers. We've, we've been friends for a long time, but I don't agree with what she did to you. Uh, Brandy says, well, thanks. I agree that I did not deserve that. And I really want to stop this. And, uh, Shaq kind of clarifies that he was just joking with Cody on Twitter a few, uh, months ago saying that, uh, he wanted to wrestle him or whatever, but he does think that the real stars of this or what the real match will be is Brandy versus Jade. And he will for sure be there at ringside. So, uh, they kind of cleared things up. Tony Schiavone is like, oh, I'm glad we got things cleared up. Everybody can move on now. Uh, great to have you here, Shaq. Thanks for boosting our ratings. He didn't say that, but that's what I got from it. <laughs> and uh, Brandy gets up and walks away with her arm in her sling. And Shaq makes a joke and says, hey, while you're uh, in that sling, you might want to watch some footage of Jade. Maybe she can give you some pointers on how to wrestle, basically. And uh, she turns around. She takes Tony Schiavone's water. And she throws it in Shaq's face to a very meme-worthy face that is totally, totally intentional because oh. Shaq is a meme factory. So I, speaking of which, I, I, I have a screenshot of that, and that is going to be our new uh, cover picture on the uh, Russell yeah. Life Radio. Let me see there's, there's, there's somewhere Charles Barkley is just ecstatic about that picture. Uh, but yeah, she takes the glass. I'm sure it will end up on the uh, NBA TNT show at some point. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, she takes the glass of water, throws it in his face, and says that he is an overgrown a-hole, and then walks off. And Shaq is just standing there. That's probably what his. I don't think he was reacting to the water. I think he was reacting to being called an overgrown a-hole. <laughs> and not only that, like it was so funny the way they had him seated. It looked like Lord of the Rings when they had Shaq like ten feet closer to the camera than everyone else because Tony Schiavone looked like an elf there next to him. It was kind of hilarious. Uh, he like doesn't even fit in this chair because he's such a giant, giant man. But yeah, I thought this segment was actually as good as it could have been. Like I, I. I like this character, Brandy. Like, I think that maybe Shaq could have been a little bit harsher with his comment to Brandy to warrant the water in the face. But, I mean, to have a celebrity come into wrestling, we can't really expect too much. So I think this is this is pretty good for a celebrity segment, and I'm glad that we're hopefully not getting a Shaq match. I just, like, very very similar. Like, I know you've, you've said on here before that Cody is a heel, but... Yeah, at least in this segment, Brandy was definitely a heel, I think, because Shaq really didn't say a whole lot bad. I mean, he uh, they started out the interview with Tony running down there. Uh, he basically said, you know, Brandy was the chief branding officer of AEW, and then when he introduced Shaq, talked about his, you know, his NBA titles, being the NBA champion, uh, you, you know, know All Star, <laughs> his you know partnership or his ownership of Papa John's, you know, being on uh, NBA on TNT. And Brandy was like, "Really, Tony? You're gonna go through all of his and you see, okay, whatever." Like I was like, "Oh, calm down, Brandy. Like, I mean, if you owned some of Papa John's, and sure, if he's not gonna mention it, but I mean, he said your accolades. You, you haven't won a women's title or anything, so you can't really blame him. 
And uh, then she was fine the rest of the time. And then, of course, at the end, he did make a comment. But, I mean, he apologized. He said he didn't agree with what she did to him and, you know, whatever. And he made, like, a little bit of a joke. But Shaq was, like, calm and collective the whole time. And Brandy was just kind of like, I don't know, her attitude was just not great. <laughs> if, you know, if so if, if I was rooting on somebody or if I sided with somebody in that whole scenario, I guess I was Shaq. He, uh, he was pretty cool, calm, and collective that whole time. And don't think he deserved to have water thrown in his face. But Yeah, he's a big boy, though. He'll handle it. Yeah, he'll be okay because he's the baby face. And baby face can get over it. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> he's also seven feet tall and a multi, multi, multi-millionaire. So. He probably sweats a lot, so it probably wasn't that much. He's probably like, ooh, refreshing. <laughs> All these yeah. TV lights down on me. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah. So after that, we had the inner circle segment where they are going to come out and try to solve all their differences or else they will break up. Now, I said before, I think this whole segment is kind of dumb that it's even happening because it's kind of melodramatic. But again, it's Chris Jericho. So, yeah, it makes sense. Uh, Chris Jericho comes out and says that he's had enough of this bickering back and forth. This is not the reason he formed the inner circle. And he mentioned that Santana is so upset that he didn't even show up for work this week, which is not entirely true. Santana has actually had uh, quite a bad year, um, as we were discussing earlier. Uh, his father died earlier in the year, as they mentioned on an earlier segment on Dynamite. Uh, one of his best friends uh, was killed in a hit-and-run accident. And I think it was this previous week, his stepfather also passed away. So thoughts and prayers for sure out for Santana. He's, he's faced a lot. Uh, this year. So he definitely deserved, I think it was a week off because these were two weeks filmed in one week. So it's in a shame hindsight, been here, but it made sense. After you told us like what, why he wasn't even there. Cause I didn't know at first. <clears throat> yeah. I was kind of like, I wish Jericho would have just not said anything about that. Yeah. He, I mean, they, they had to address it though. Right. Because they're like having a, a meeting on whether or not the, the inner circle will even exist anymore. And for one of the members not to be there, I don't know. Like it's it's kayfabe, so yeah. But uh, at least I hope they ask him. I mean, they didn't really, you know. It's just an off comment, but you know, yeah. it's just kind of. Once I found out, I was just like, oh, it kind of sucks, but yeah, but yeah. He could have said like Santana's got his own stuff to worry about or something. Like he doesn't need this, you know. I don't know. True. But uh, yeah. anyways, uh, so. Sammy and MJF have obviously had some issues. Jake Hager and Wardlow obviously have a lot of sexual built-up tension. Staring each other uh, down the whole time. <laughs> so Ortiz is kind of the the voice of reason in this whole segment because Which is crazy. Yeah. I mean he <laughs> was I like yeah. he was like level headed and I was like, all right, Ortiz, I kinda like this. This is kind of crazy. But uh Chris Jericho basically tries to force Sammy Guevara to shake MJF's hand. And Ortiz steps in as the, the voice of reason. is like, you know what, man? Just do it for the group. We need to stay strong. We need to stay together. I think it's because he had his hair up. He had his hair braided. That's what it is. Yeah. It, he, when he when he's got the crazy hair, he's, he's he just insane. The hair, uh, the hair is his power. It's like Samson in the Bible. Uh, when the hair is free, Ortiz is free. That's the new kayfabe. Uh, it's like he, he, he's like the fiend. Like when the mask goes on, when the hair comes out, it's, it's, all, no. it's a different guy. But yeah, so uh, Sammy does reluctantly shake sweater vest, basically. Yeah, uh, the, the Sammy does reluctantly shake MJF's hand, 
and they kind of all like are in and, and Chris Jericho's like, oh, is that the square everybody up? Is everybody good? And Jake Hager's like, you know what? No. What is this dude's problem? Why does he keep staring at me? And like, <laughs> this is the most I've ever liked Jake Hager. I'll be honest with you. Like this segment was was pretty funny. Uh, I think Jake Hager, when put in like a deadpan comedy role, is really good. I've seen him like a few times in like Sammy Guevara's vlogs. Uh, he had that little poem at one point for the inner circle. I think that like when they don't try to make him so serious, I think his his character really shows. Maybe he's like a funny guy in real life. I don't know, but like it almost came off as like Batista. You know, when Batista had those uh, those few years when he was kind of like a deadpan comedy guy. Uh, I yeah. I think that I think that's kind of the way to book him. Him and Wardlow get into it. And Wardlow's like, I don't know what you're talking about, man. You won't stop looking at me. He's like, ever since I arrived in this company, you've been staring at me. And Chris Jericho's like, okay, okay, I've got it. I've got a solution. Why don't we both just agree to quit staring at each other? And like, you know what? Good plan, Chris. We can quit anytime <laughs> we want. I was just kind of bummed out. I got I got heat from the segment. <laughs> they said they're gonna stop staring at each other. Uh man, I, I thought that no, was actually coming back part next part. week and they're staring at everybody else. They're like side by side with their arms crossed, staring at everybody. Uh, that would be great. That would be great. Uh, they like combine together. Yeah, uh, buddy stare downs. Yeah, but yeah, I thought this segment was okay. Uh, it wasn't the best inner circle segment of all time. It wasn't the worst. Uh, but you know, we're gonna come back next week. The inner circle is gonna be uh, all together. And uh, spoiler alert, they're actually going to be all together in a seven versus seven tag team match. I'm sure that'll go well. <laughs> <clears throat> we go backstage with FTR with Alex Marvez and uh, Tully Blanchard's there. And they're basically stating that the only reason they lost the tag team belts is because Tully Blanchard was not there to cheat for them. That's not what they said, but they basically said that they are invincible when united and when separated, even one member like Tully Blanchard. They obviously lost a step. So their goal is to regain the tag team championship. Uh, they also were talking about how stupid it was for Jungle Boy to get on the top rope during a battle royale, which I agree, it is dumb. <laughs> and uh, again, he's planning, a Jungle Boy. Yeah. Again, planting seeds for FTR versus Jurassic Express. But they didn't harp too much on the tag team championships, but they did mention a little bit. So we'll see what's happening uh, next with them. Uh, after that, we have Eddie Kingston coming in with the Butcher and the Blade as we go to a break. Then we have Lance Archer running in and doing what he does. He attacks everyone. Uh, the Lucha Brothers come in and join him. However, during the match, uh, Pentagon is... So the story is that before the match, Pentagon was actually injured. He had like a leg injury, and he wasn't able to actually compete. So their way of riding him out of the match is to have the Butcher put him through a table and kill him. So he's dead now. RIP Pentagon. But no, he like, <clears throat> he gets put to the table, he gets carried out and it's now a handicap match, which I think is actually a pretty smart way to, to book this match because you have Lance Archer. And I've said before, I don't think they've booked Lance Archer as strong as they try to make him. So to put him in a handicap match, I think is pretty smart. Uh, either way they would have booked it win or loss. Um, but yeah, so basically Lance Archer dominates the entire time. Uh, Lance Archer backdrops the blade. He tags the Phoenix, uh, who does Phoenix things. He falls on his head one time, which I wish he would keep like quit doing. 
Like he falls on his head like every match. And I don't know if he knows, but that mask is not padded. And eventually it's going to hurt. So neither is his neck. Yeah, I wish he would quit doing that because he's so good and I want him to be so good for a long time. But necks aren't built to do that. So, yeah. yeah. I, I agree. Uh, they, uh, the blade kicks, I think, Pentagon in the stomach and hits a suplex neckbreaker combination that allows uh, the blade to get the victory over Ray Phoenix. Lance Archer then comes in after the match and kills everybody. He attacks the blade with a blackout as Ali is screaming on the outside. So I think this is a smart way to book this match. You had the handicap match. You had Phoenix taking the pin. I think this is totally okay. Uh, if you're going to have Lance Archer lose, it's a pretty good way to do it. I hope they would build up to Lance Archer versus the Butcher because I want to see big boy matches. And I think that would be good. So. The only downside of this match was, well, two things. Uh, like you said, Ray Phoenix falling on his head, but also Jake Roberts is out there like sweating bullets. Like he was just leaking fluids and looked exhausted. And all he did was stand at ringside. Yeah. He's so, not been doing great. Apparently he's been on like oxygen and stuff. Um, yeah, not, not the best. Uh, so a few weeks off or something. Yeah, probably. Uh, in the back, we then see Jay Cargill and Nyla Rose beating down red velvet. Uh, Serena Deeb and uh, Big Swall come to the rescue. And I would just mention, I'm reading a recap here because I kind of try to keep things refreshed in my face. And it says, uh, Serena Deeb and the other woman come in to break it up. Have we already forgotten who Big Swole is? Like uh, My notes say Ivelisse and Diamante came and got involved. So they did. Uh, Serena <laughs> Deeb and Big Swole come in for the rescue. And then... Right. Elise and Diamante come in for the attack on Serena Deeb and Big Swole, which then right. set up a tag match for next week between Serena Deeb and Big Swole versus Ivelisse and Diamante. So I recognize Jade Cargill and obviously Nyla Rose and Vicky Guerrero, but like everybody else was just like just scrambled together. I was I honestly didn't even know who was involved. Yeah, they aren't super recognizable people other than big swole i mean she's a big part of women's division. Nobody, it, was, it wasn't like a conversation was going on yeah it was like, just, they were it, back it, there it beating up the beat down. yeah <laughs> um i i like that they are trying to do things with the women's division like they actually are making matches they're actually telling a little bit of a story having heels and faces on one side and it, it, it makes it, it it's a little bit better so i'm not going to crap on it too much so yeah we then go to a women's match between abaddon and some other girl who died. Yeah, she's uh, dead. Abaddon comes out with blood in her mouth. She kills this girl, and she wins. After That's the match, the, uh, widow's peak, which is her new move. Yeah, after the match, Abaddon continues to kill. Uh, I think Tesha Price was her name, actually. Yeah. And out comes Sheeta with her kendo stick, and she knocks Abaddon into <laughs> next week. She hits this her is... straight clear on top of the noggin as this loud and hard as she could. And this it might have been my favorite moment on the show. And like she like, was like reluctant to come in, even with a kendo stick, because Abaddon is a monster. And but she does because she's a good, courageous person. She comes in, she knocks Abaddon out. She like carries Tesha Price out, but as she does, Abaddon does the Undertaker thing where she sits up, blood falling out of her mouth. Just a great look, and then Sheeta runs away. So, so obviously she has been they've been teasing that she's possibly scared of abaddon like she's just not which i mean makes sense there's she's a japanese woman and 
I mean, Japanese, you know, culture has a lot of ghosts and ghouls involved and Abdon's a scary looking woman. So it makes sense. So, um, but I was kind of, I was on the fence about it. Cause I was like, you know, I don't know how I feel about the champion kind of being scared of somebody, even, even somebody like Abaddon, but I was like, I'm willing to give it a shot. And I wasn't too sure about it. And I'll tell you what, if this were WWE and she ran out with that kendo stick and Abaddon screamed at her and like ran at her. Sheeta would have tucked tail and ran to the back and looked like such a geek. Yeah. But I was so ready for it to happen just because I've been so trained for it. And I was so happy and popped so loud when she just looked at her terrified. Abaddon screamed at her and just took off running. And Sheeta said, nope. And just <laughs> bashed her right in the freaking head with her kendo stick. Oh, good. Her out. I laughed so hard. It was amazing. I was like, yeah. <laughs> like, I popped so loud. It was great. And I, she's I still scared. This. I love this story because she's scared, but she's courageous. <laughs> she's she knows. like, I mean, you see a zombie running, you, you got a stick in your hand, you're bashing that zombie in the head with a stick. And she sure <laughs> did. Yeah. And like, in the old saying is it doesn't like a courageous person is scared, but they don't act on their fear. They act on what they know is right. So she's a courageous face. She's the champion of the women's division. Yes, she's scared, but she's still going to hit her over the head with a kendo stick and save this other girl who's getting attacked. I think yep. it's great. And someone actually yep. mentioned Ashida on Twitter, which I thought was fantastic that she she talked this uh she like basically pointed this out. This person was saying, "Hey, you've already beaten Abaddon, why are you scared?" And then Sheeta responds, "If you wrestled a crocodile and beat the crocodile, would you be excited about fighting the crocodile again?" It's true. No, because it's a crocodile and it's scary. So Yeah. I think it's great that Sheeta put that person in their place. I think it's a great way to put it. And I'm all for it, and I'm glad they're doing things with the women's division. And I like characters like Abaddon. Like, I think they can be overdone like The Fiend with their no-selling and such. Um, and I think they can be treated very poorly like The Fiend. But I'm totally okay with having characters that are out there in wrestling. And I think it's great because it allows moments like this when she's running after Sheeta and she bonks her on the head with a kendo stick. And she's believable. She looks great. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm all for it. It's not, it's not like incredibly goofy. She's not like summoning demons or like, she's not teleporting like worms, <laughs> worms from the ceiling. Like Bray Wyatt did against Randy Orton. She doesn't live in a shack in the woods. She doesn't have a puppet show. She's just really scary looking. She vomits blood and she takes kind of stick shots straight to the head and sits up right after. So, I think it's worth mentioning. She doesn't have a uh, puppet show yet. It's true. You never know what we can do. The Abaddon Puppet Show may be the main event of AEW next week. We'll see. Yeah, I also think it's great. Like, Sheeta's been on every show so far uh, since Full Gear. They're developing their women's division. I can't say it enough. Really excited about that. But yeah, after that, we were backstage with Dasha Gonzalez in the Inner Circle without MJF and Wardlow, of course. They're getting ready for their next match. And uh, Jericho says that they will all be at ringside for the main event of MJF versus Orange Cassidy. That's that. Uh, we then go to an outstage, uh, outstage, an outside shot of Kenny Omega flying in in a helicopter. And they had mentioned that Kenny was flying, had flown all the way from Nashville to Jacksonville on this helicopter. And that is bullcrap because that is the smallest helicopter I have ever seen. And that would be such an uncomfortable ride. There's no way. There's no way that happened. So don't come in with those, those facts, AEW. But yeah, he comes out. 
along with Don Callis. Marvez is like following him around saying, hey, uh, what, what's what's the deal with this and such and such? And he's like, you know what? We don't have time for you. You'll see it like with everybody else. Just follow us to the ring. And uh, they do the entrance with four sweeping girls now. So, yeah, he's uh, really moving on up now that he's champion. And he comes out of the heel tunnel. He's making that, that uh, champion bonus money. So you can right. two more girls. <clears throat> yeah, he comes out of the heel tunnel. He holds his belt up high. And uh, why don't you tell us what he said? Because you did such a good job laying it down on impact. It's the same thing. I mean, yeah, he basically said the same thing. Same. Uh, <laughs> it was a little disappointing. Um, I mean, I, I said I, I had like the little negative comment about the impact interview. He did cover why he, you know, had supposedly done it. But I was hoping he would just like divulge some more information here. And he said he had a huge announcement, but I don't even think, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't even think he said the bit like he did on impact about possibly challenging for other titles. Yeah. I don't think he mentioned the collector thing at all. And I understand why he had to repeat everything because 125,000 people, extra people tuned in for, for access TV. Right. So I get that, but, and there's a million people watching dynamite this week. So I get that there's a disparaging thing there. You have to relay everything down, but like you had Tony Khan laying down some groundwork for stuff in his advertisement saying he had something planned for Kenny when he came back. You had Kenny saying he had a big announcement, and we didn't really get any of it. Yeah, there's never really. I don't even think there was a big announcement. No, there, like, there wasn't. was just not. Do what? There wasn't. There was nothing really. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was basically just what he said on Impact, but even less because, like I said, he didn't even do the Champions Challenge, and even probably you know more of a mystery. John Moxley didn't make an appearance. I thought at least. Maybe they're teasing this announcement and they'll get to it, but Moxley will interrupt and he'll chase him off, you know, because he's always got revenge on his mind. But uh, did they even address why he wasn't there? Like no, maybe Tony Khan like put him on a medical suspension or something and he wasn't going to be on the show. Like he just wasn't there. It's just strange. And it was a little um, weird because like his number one thing for months and months and months was the AEW title. And then he loses it, and he doesn't like in in a shady way, and doesn't even show He's up. Screwed, basically, you know. And yeah. um, yeah, and I all that I think is a negative on this. Although I mean, I do like you know the pairing of Don Callis and Kenny Omega. It makes sense, and I like Kenny as a heel. I like him as a champion, but I'm also disappointed in just the story overall because. AW is pretty good about setting up these long-term stories. And you did point out there have been hints that like a you know partnership was you know gonna happen, and that's all good, but the whole story, I mean, they said it on impact and they said it here again. Obviously, they repeated it. The whole story is this hasn't this isn't a plan that happened over days, over weeks, over months, not even a couple of years. It's been going on for a long time, many years. They've been planning this. But they never really said what they planned. And if you look at what's happened in the story, there's really nothing to plan because sure, Don Callis has been here and there and sure he planned the match with him and Jericho, but that has nothing to do with John Moxley. doesn't have anything to do with him becoming the AEW champion. I mean, fine if they're going to take credit for AEW being created. That's a heel thing to do. But what what I don't understand the path that led him to this AW title and what the plan was because 
really all that's happened was Kenny Omega went through a tournament, which I mean, I mean, it was a hard tournament, but there was no nothing nefarious there. Like, so what plan was that? Um, it wasn't like Callis came out and said he was the mastermind behind the tournament, and like maybe the seating that led to a you know a easier road or like they still haven't you know, divulged anything about the attack that happened on John Moxley. Yeah, I mean, so and it really had no effect on his you know the match that they had, so that wasn't a part of the plan that we know of. Like there was just nothing. The only thing that they've said is like they had the gentleman's agreement and Omega backed out of it. And obviously he got the microphone. So if they took years planning for him to come out like at the end of the match and drop a microphone, like they wasted a lot of time because I don't see what else they could have been planning here. Like it's, yeah, it's just very confusing. Like they keep talking about this plan that took for a long time. And they're like, this has been in the works for like, What's been in the works? What is the plan? What's the announcement? There's so many unanswered questions and stuff that like, I'm not sure they have an answer for yet. And so it's just very un-AEW-like. And it's more of a WWE thing of like, are you just saying this stuff and going to figure it out later? Or do you have a plan? And what is it? Like, you know, it's just, so that's my main gripe with the whole thing is I'm on board with, Omega, you know, weaseling his way to, you know, the championship over Moxley. But like, even if they're talking about this grand scheme plan, like where was Don Callis when Kenny Omega went up against Moxley the first time around, which led to him winning the championship? Like, you know, it's uh, the championship um, win, meaning by, from uh, John Moxley. Like, why did Omega lose to him the first time around if Don Callis had this masterful plan in the works? Like, it, it seems like they're doing a lot of talking, but like, it's just, there's not a lot of substance there. So like, yeah, that's and my I main goal. I understand a slow burn because for sure they need to drag this out along as long as they can. So <clears throat> they don't need to come out and like lay out his whole plan this week, but they needed to say something because they built it up so much. Or say you have a plan, like say that. And that's one way you could tease into the collecting the titles. Like say that once Kenny won the tournament, he reached out to Don Callis or maybe like at the beginning of the tournament say, Hey Don, like I could win this tournament and I could be lined up. Like basically start the story after him and Omega or him and hangman broke up and kind of lead that to where that's where Kenny started turning. So just say like from there, I started talking to Don and we started coming up with this plan and like we have a long-term plan down the road and for the future, make that your plan. Not we've been playing this for years. Cause it's like, well, what have you been doing all this time then? Cause yeah, none of it really makes sense to what led you to this point. So I think it's yeah. also worth mentioning, though, Kenny Omega and Don Callis was a great, great uh, team to, right. to, to cut a promo. They're, I'm they're bored with them together. They're like Don, like Kenny Omega has got that super villain, like heel thing going, but Don Callis has got like that old school wrestling promoter sleaze ball, like just dripping grease. Like just terrible person heel thing going, which is great. And he's from and, another promotion, so I mean, yeah. he's already taken Kenny off of AEW and it, onto Impact. Like he could say, like our plan is like to you know pull the title away from AEW or like you know make Kenny Omega the star and not just AEW, like make him the star of wrestling overall. Like that's their plan, but like that it should be their future plan, not their, we've been planning this for years and we've just now decided to act on it. Like 
So that's the main hiccup that I have with everything. But yeah, I totally agree with you. Like I love their pairing. I love their performances and Omega's great as a heel. Don Callis is great. I mean, you're absolutely right. So yeah, it's sure. really just like the, the plan that they have and the, you know, they're and not, I, even, I really thought that Tony Khan was going to do something this week. I thought he was going to come back and announce, Hey, uh, Kenny, we saw what you did last week. And, uh, as punishment, you now has to face John Moxley in a steel cage at revolution or, Hey, yeah, Kenny, we saw what you, did like, you know what? Next week you have to defend the AEW championship in a gauntlet match or, Hey, Kenny, you know, we saw what you did last week. Guess what? You're facing Led Sarcher next week. You know, something, but right. they didn't really set anything up. <clears throat> I could see him coming out and saying like, Oh, you keep talking about this plan. Well, I got a plan. You versus John Moxley in a cage match. Like you said, and it just throws a wrench in their plan. Yeah. I mean, they're dumb heels. Having, you know, that's that's the whole point of it is to make them, they think they've got everything figured out until like the baby faces do something to be like, uh-huh. And, you know, that's how they get heat is they have to figure a way out of this mess they've gotten themselves into, you know, that type of thing. So it's not terrible. It's, it's just not perfect either. I, I wish they did a little bit more to explain this a little better, but... I mean, hey, John Moxley's great. Obviously, he's going to come back and go after this title, and he's going to cut great promos. Uh, Kenny and Don Callis, I'm all for them as a team. I'm all for them going to other promotions uh, and you know making things interesting. So, I think it's great. Uh, just probably needs a little bit more fleshing out of like what this plan is, and um, they're usually pretty good about doing that. So it's just kind of surprising that they've tease these major announcements and these like big developments and then kind of under delivered on them, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, I, I will definitely see what happens next week. See how they develop it. They're going to eventually develop. I think John Moxley versus Kenny at revolution, potentially in a steel cage, I think would be great um, to keep outside interference down. And uh, I think Kenny will somehow come up with a win on that, solidifying him as the real champion. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it and we'll see. But anyways, yep. let's move on to the main event, which is MJF versus Orange Cassidy. Now, there is so much that happened in this match, I can't go over everything. Like It was fun, though. It was a fun match. It was a, like I wasn't super stoked for this matchup, I'll be honest. Like I I, I know I like, just beguiled the, the, the Battle Royale last week and the way it finished, and I still disagree with that finish. But I'm glad we got this match because this was a fun match. It really was. Yeah. I mean – Orange Cassidy was the ultimate babyface, and yep. MJF, like he always is, was the ultimate heel, and they yep. it worked perfectly. This is he how wrestling should be. He broke Orange Cassidy's sunglasses, uh, which is just a no-no for sure. And he right. went to hit uh, Orange Cassidy with a suplex, but Orange Cassidy reversed it into his stun dog millionaire, which is super cool. That was a really good look. Um, MJF just. He, Kind of gained control from there, avoiding the orange punch, power bombing Orange Cassidy onto the apron. He was basically daring Trent to hit him so he'd get the DQ win. Uh, orange Cassidy tripped him into the corner. MJF popped right back up, hit a stiff elbow for a near fall. Uh, the inner circle is there at ringside, uh, worth mentioning. And then so you got like the entire inner circle, and then you've got the best friends on the other side. Right. So, so they're definitely outnumbered. They're definitely outnumbered. The inner circle is keeping the ref distracted. Uh, Guevara is hitting. Uh, Cassidy into the ring post. Uh, we go to a break and we come back and we see Orange Cassidy's like kind of built up a little bit. He's trying to build up ahead of steam going against MJF. MJF stops the momentum though, set up for the heat seeker. 
Orange Cassidy backdropped him out of the ring, hit a dive combination on the entire inner circle, which I thought was cool. Uh, when they got in the ring, though, MGF hit his finisher, but the ref caught him trying to use the rope for leverage. So we should also point out the varsity blondes top flight and Brandon Cutler came out to even the odds against yeah, the inner circle. So the best friends so they just pointed beat, out, just, yeah, they, they pointed out his feet on the ropes. Yeah, they just left, and I'm like. Oh, they're going to get reinforcements. That's cool. And they come out with like freaking Brandon Cutler in his full dragon gear yeah. and the varsity blondes, which is like, hey, what? Are, you just hanging out? are you just hanging out backstage in your entire entrance gear? What is this going on? I don't know. Yeah, he was on BTE, so. That's true. Sure. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the varsity blondes and Brandon Cutler come out. They did point out the uh, the leverage, the, the, the rope leverage, I should say. Um, but yeah, MJF continues being a heel. He takes Jericho's bat. And tries to pull in Eddie Guerrero, which I thought was great because Orange Cassidy outsmarted him, which is great because faces should be smart. They never are, but they should be, and they do a good job of that in AEW because MJF took Jericho's bat. He throws it at Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy just stands there. The bat falls to the ground and sticks his hands in his pockets, which was like, awesome. not, not me, brother. Uh, MJF like stands up. It's like, oh, crap, what are you doing? Orange Cassidy... Picks like the bat dummy. up. Orange Cassidy picks the bat up, throws it at MJF, and then flops down and does his own little Eddie Guerrero. The ref comes around seeing MJF holding the bat, and you. Th- I thought for sure it was going to be a DQ, and I was like, oh, crap, they can't give Orange Cassidy this ring. That doesn't make any sense. But it's AEW, and every match is no DQ, so we're totally fine. Uh, Orange Cassidy hit the breach- beach break on MJF for a very close two count. Uh, he then hit the orange punch. I thought for sure that was going to be it, but it, it was wasn't. Awesome. Uh, I think uh, I think Wardlow ended up putting MJF's leg on the rope for a rope break during the, on that one actually, which yeah, was yeah. a good way to protect Orange Cassidy's finish and also have MJF come up with a win. Uh, the there was just like a total brawl outside. Basically, the ring. yeah. The uh, so when he put his foot on the ropes, the, it was basically after that all bets were off. The uh, yeah. the rest of the uh, the inner circle and the best friends with their, their buddies, they were like, all right, screw this. And they all just start brawling on the outside. And uh, that's basically what I will say. The only negative about this match was, man, this riff is dumb. Yeah. <laughs> he was distracted every way, which way he was like missing the feet on the ropes multiple times, like very incompetent referee. It was in this match. Uh, that's a prerequisite for being a referee in AEW. It seems. Uh, but yeah, so that brawl breaks out, and during those shenanigans, Miro comes out, and he hits Cassidy with a just clothesline out of nowhere, just crazy clothesline, and uh, he's he's outside of the ring, MJF makes the cover like half dead, and got the win, and then Miro just starts attacking all the security officers, like throwing them off the stage, just <laughs> lawn darting them, and it was great. So he dropped like, that one guy on his head. Look like, look yeah, like he murdered that, that man. Riley was telling <laughs> dropped me, like, the guy I hope off those the stage. guys are actually wrestlers because they look like they're getting really hurt. I mean, so, you know, if he, even if there's a crash pad there, like, like he dropped this guy straight on his head. Like, I hope he tucked and rolled because I hope so. It was, it was a good camera angle, though. They had a good job of it. It's true, yeah. Uh, but yeah, this match was really good. And like, I don't love overbooked matches, but I think this really works. Like, they had a lot of moving parts, and I feel like they all worked well it never felt bloated even though it very well could have there were 14 people at ringside and you had two more run in 
but it never felt like the focus was off too much of Orange Cassidy and MJF and off the match. So after the match, MJF is looking at the camera and he says, I beat him clean in the middle of the ring, which is perfect. He didn't. But uh, yeah, I think the Miro showing up was great. I thought all the brawling was really cool and added a lot of fun in the match. But yeah, this is definitely the best match of the show. I thought it had a really good story, some great action. And I thought it was a great way to portray Miro because I think his character's been kind of missing something since he showed up. And apparently that something is just beating up a bunch of people. Yep. So. And, and also MJF retaining uh, the dynamite diamond ring. So he's got it for another year. Um, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm glad. Like it kind of needs to be a big deal when he finally loses it. I, like I, I foresee him winning the battle royal again next year, and whoever's facing him is going to have to take it off of his cold dead head, <laughs> cold dead hand. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, yeah, he's 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 great in this role, and the diamond ring, you know, being a part of his repertoire, I think is great. So um, yeah, I, I'm totally happy with him winning it here and retaining it. Yeah, for sure. I, uh, I thought this was a decent show. It had some faults, but it had some good stuff too. Uh, I think if I were to grade it, I would give it mm, probably a B minus, if I'm being fair. Uh, yep. There was definitely some stuff I didn't like, but I really liked this last match. But yeah, uh, that was your AEW show for the week. Kyle, what would you grade it? I'd probably go around the same. Um, and I'm right there with you. I don't think it was a perfect show. And there's obviously the, the Kenny stuff uh, was well performed, but... Um, you know, I would have liked to have actually had an announcement uh, a little bit more to the story that I thought was a little bit weak, uh, but not a bad segment. Um, I thought, you know, every other match on the show is pretty decent. Um, surprisingly, the Young Bucks uh, match and obviously the Dustin Rhodes and the 10 match was pretty much a nothing match. But every other match on the show I was pretty happy with, um, at least for, you know, what happened in the match. So, uh not not a bad show at all, but uh, definitely not an A show. So I'm right there with you. I think a B minus fits this perfectly. Yeah. Well, that is your weekend review this week uh, for AEW and Impact. We'll see yep. if we watch Impact again. Uh, if Kenny Omega's on there, I probably yeah. Will. They haven't made like an announcement if he's going to be back on there, is he? I uh, haven't seen anything, but he is going to be defending his AAA title this Saturday. So right. I'm sure something will happen there. They didn't even mention that on AEW because I'm assuming they don't have an actual deal between AAA and AEW going. I'm so, sure, yeah. Uh, they've had some issues with copyright for Pentagon. That's why they just changed his name so many times. So we will we'll see. Uh, but yeah, I'll, we will definitely be watching out for that. And if they, anything does happen, we'll be sure to post it on our social media. Sure. So um, yeah, we. Uh... We'll we'll keep you guys updated with that, and we'll we'll see like what happens with it. I, I'm hoping that they, like you know, like we said, they kind of go all out with the Kenny Omega thing and have him go different places. I think it'd be, be really interesting. So yeah, like Mike said, we'll got we'll keep you guys updated on social media. And speaking of which, you can follow us on social media um, on Instagram and Facebook at Russell Life Radio, Russell Life Pod on Twitter. You can follow Matt on Instagram and Twitter at Russell Life Matt. You can follow me on Instagram at Kyle.Polly and Micah does stuff on the Facebook from time to time, even though he claims he doesn't, but he, he comments every once in a while or changes things out. So he's on there. Um, but we appreciate you guys listening every week. Uh, and Hey, if something interesting happens in WWE, we'll keep you updated on that too. We haven't completely forgot about it. We're just not watching it regularly. Cause Hey, it's We're been pretty terrible. Something to happen. Yeah. Something interesting or good, but uh, I mean, they've got some things going. Uh, the, 
Seamus and Drew stuff, I hear, is decent. Um, so, I mean, it's not all terrible. The Roman stuff has been pretty decent on SmackDown. But, hey, I, five hours a week for, like, one segment is not worth it. So, yep. if there's big news out of WWE, obviously, we'll keep you guys informed and of anything that happens in wrestling. That's what we're here for. So, uh, yeah, that was our week in review of AEW and Impact. It's pretty much the biggest thing that happened this week anyway. So, we appreciate you guys listening and keeping up with us. Um, you know, make sure you, if you like the show, that you share it uh, with your friends, tell them about it. And uh, we like talking to you guys on Facebook, on Twitter, Instagram. So just keep being involved with that. We appreciate it. We'll see you guys next week. Matt should be back. Um, but if even if he's not, he'll be on Indie Focus uh, next week as well. So I believe the next one comes out on Tuesday or Wednesday. Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah. So yeah, keep an eye on that as well. Uh, and we will catch you guys later. We appreciate you listening. And we'll see you then. Have a good week.